Call me on 845-482-4141 to have a conversation about your sound legacy for Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Radio Catskill, your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Live from Radio Catskill Studios in Liberty, New York, it's the local edition. News and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Thanks so much for being here with me. Coming up, we're going to get an update on uh, 4-H from the Cornell Cooperative Extension. And we'll get an update on where bees stand in New York State. A bee update. But first up, it is Wednesday. And that's when we do our weekly news roundup with the River Reporter. And joining us live on the phone right now for that news roundup, it's the River Reporter's own reporter, Ruby Rayner. Joining us once again, Ruby, welcome back to the program. Hi, thanks for having me back. Great. So um, there's a couple of stories that, that you've got to, to talk about, and, and uh, a couple of them touch on stories that we've kind of been following over some period of time, and you've got some updates. So how about an update on the cannabis retail in the town of Bethel? Where, where do we stand with that? Yeah, so applications for cannabis retail in the town of Bethel have been coming in, and right now they have five different applications, and that means the state will go through the process of approving or not approving those cannabis retail stores in the town, but the town itself actually doesn't have a limit on how many cannabis retail stores they allow, so it will be up to the state. Okay, and uh, and do we know uh, <laughs> how much interest there is in the town? Do you know how people feel about this weight? Yeah, I think there's definitely mixed feelings, and I think it's a little bit early to tell. Like I said, it's not confirmed at all that all of the applications will be approved. Um, they'll go through regular town planning and zoning, um, and the state will probably not approve all of them. But I think some people in town are excited about it, specifically because of the municipal sales tax that's attached to cannabis retail. And that basically means that when somebody purchases something at a cannabis retail store, the town actually makes 4% sales tax off of that. And that's very unique. There's not any other sales tax in which the town is making money. Is is that how it works across New York State, or is this unique to how municipalities within Sullivan County, I remember they, they voted on whether or not they even wanted to allow the sale. Uh, it was a bit of a confusing vote. Uh, so is this unique to our area, or is this kind of how it's going around the state with that tax benefit going uh, to the town? No, that's across the state, and that was part of what was, was negotiated about the cannabis retail and part of the incentive, I think, for places to benefit from the retail at a local level. 
That's uh, that's interesting because uh, not too long ago, maybe last week, maybe the week before, we got an update uh, from the New York Public News Network about the proliferation of unsanctioned, uh, illegal, essentially, cannabis stores popping up across the state. And uh, I don't have the number on hand of how many there, there were, but I was shocked at how many there were. Like, this is a really big problem. But now I'm seeing that this is a, this is a big problem for municipalities, too, because that really means they're missing out if these stores are being set up and, and not necessarily part of the system. So, my goodness. Right. Um, but five applications for cannabis retail stores. Do we know anything about those uh, applicants? Yeah, so one of the applicants is actually Bethel Woods. So it's a perfect example, actually, where right now Bethel Woods stands as, as a nonprofit and the town doesn't make any specific direct revenue from Bethel Woods operating the town. But if they were to be a cannabis retail uh, location, then the sales tax would go to the town, that 4% on every sale from Bethel Woods, if they were to be approved by the state. Wow, and I wonder what that would look like in implementation in uh, uh, in in reality. When if, if that application goes through, Bethel Woods would be a, a, a seller there. That's, that's really, it's a new world. <laughs> yes, definitely. And the town hasn't yet decided how they'll allocate those funds specifically, especially since they're not exactly sure how much it will look like or how much it will be. Right. They don't want to count their chickens before they hatch, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Well, right. But so. yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll decide what they want to do with the money. And there's definitely a bunch of different town projects that could use some extra funds. I bet. Well, let's stay on the topic of tax, but let's go to the other side of the river um, Honesdale is considering implementation of an earned income tax designed as a tax break for low and moderate income workers. Uh, what are the opinions of the community uh, on this proposal? How, how are folks feeling about this? Yes. So members of the public packed the borough hall to protest the Honesdale earned income tax. So there's definitely some people who aren't in favor of its implementation, and it's not yet to be solidified. So the earned income tax would be included in the 2024 budget, which um, hasn't yet moved to be approved. And even after it's adopted, the council will have another opportunity to make changes. But some people who are a little weary of the earned income tax, which just... um, Basically, is that one percent up to one percent of uh, the money that someone makes in their paycheck will go to the to the borough government? Um, I think some employers are concerned that it'll make it even more difficult to uh, attract employees and good workers, and it just adds another extra obstacle to having a successful local business. Okay. Um, and, and is there anything else on, on that uh, Honesdale tax story? Yeah, I think there are people who are in favor of it and the council who has been pushing for it sees it as really important because it's how they are planning to pay for stormwater repairs, which has been a problem in uh, the Honesdale borough of addressing the flooded streets and collapsed pipes. And so this would be money uh, from this 
income tax in order to pay for that. And the alternative would be to raise property taxes, which could be a burden to people who might not be able to afford it. So that's kind of the options that are being weighed at the moment. All right. And now, finally, um, uh, there's uh, people are working on their budgets. Uh, let's talk about the county budget and and then also the town of Highland. Uh, let's start with Sullivan County. Um, what are some uh, significant observations and key points that stand out uh, from the budget discussions? As, well, how far into the process are they? I guess let's start with that. Yeah, I know it's budget season. Everyone's going through their budgets. It can be it can be a little nitty gritty with the numbers, but it can actually tell us a lot about what different counties and different towns' priorities are. So in terms of Sullivan County, they released their draft budget. So it's a $288 million draft budget, and it's important to know for everyone that it remains flat, so it does not propose any new debt or any increase, which is, is always a positive. Um, and a huge chunk of it is going to be allocated for road and bridge work. That's $23.6 million. Um, they're looking to designate that money for work on nine different bridges, to ensure that uh, all of the highways, there's uh, 385 centerline miles that the county um, partakes in, in overseeing, and so they're just going to use that money to ensure that all of that is, is running smoothly. Okay, great. And then, um, uh, and that's and that, that's still the county, right? Yeah, that's the county. And there's two other interesting pieces of the county budget that will kind of be determined by the new legislature. So they allocated $2 million in the county budget for county structures, like older county structures to repair them, in addition to $2 million for uh, housing, housing trust fund and the housing crisis that is, is going on in Sullivan County. And they allocated those $2 million, but the specifics of exactly what programs or what exact different implementations of that money will be determined by the new legislature. So that it'll be interesting to see what the new legislature decides to do with those those funds in order to take on housing and improve county buildings. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I'll be counting on you to keep an eye on that for us. I will. Okay. And now, uh, how about uh, Town of Highland? They actually passed their budget already? Yep, they passed their budget just yesterday night. Um, and they also, despite insurance increases, they did not raise their taxes, so they made it below that 2% tax cap that they have to meet. And in some cases, actually, depending on which fire district residents reside in, in Highland, uh, taxes could actually go down a tiny hair, which is pretty fun. And they renewed a bunch of their contracts with the county sheriff's office, which they've had since they disbanded the constable's in addition to their lease with the Yulin Fire Department, the Highland Ambulance, and then a contract that they have with the Eldred School District. And it's it's all passed. And is that extension with the Yulin Fire Department sending at least a few Yulin Fire Department, is that in form? You were saying that depending on the fire district, that would that'll impact uh whether their taxes are actually lower or or just still the same. What what's the difference between the different fire districts? Yeah, so there's two different fire districts, and then the, the fire departments just had different budgets, so it would affect 
based on where you where you reside slightly. Right, right. Okay, great. Well, Ruby, is there anything else that's going to be in tomorrow's River Reporter that you want to talk about? Yeah, there's a great article about a Honesdale resident who just turned 105, and he's actually still driving. Wow. Um, very sweet. He celebrated his birthday, as well as a new pet wash that just opened in Narrowsburg that I actually got to do a trial run um, with Sammy, the publisher's dog. So okay. there's those fun articles, and you can you can read about those in this week's paper. Can you give us a hint? How did how did Sammy do in the pet wash? Sammy is a joy. Sammy did great <laughs> and smells really really good after the Narrowsburg sink wash. Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to us. And I will remind folks that they'll be able to hear from you again when you do the headlines for uh, both New York and Pennsylvania for this weekend. We've been talking to Ruby Rayner from The River Reporter. Ruby, thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. Bye. And don't forget our weekly roundup with The River Reporter. Comes to you every Wednesday evening right here on the local edition. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll check in with the 4-H. This is Radio Catskill. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wall and Poppock, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. From Dog Mountain Lodge, providing dog boarding and grooming, also boarding cats, birds, and other exotic pets. Located in Keshekta, New York, and on the web at DogMountainLodge.com. And from listeners like you. Radio Catskill's annual music sale is November 25th, and we need donations of high-quality vinyl records. We're looking for clean discs that have been cared for, collectible LPs and sought-after genres. Rock, jazz, hip-hop, heavy metal, dance, even rare and valuable records. If you are a collector who's looking to downsize, give new collectors something good to take home. Email feedback at wjffradio.org and support Radio Catskill with your donation of high-quality vinyl today. And just an update on where we are with the music sale right now. Where we are is, uh, the, the, the studios here. Well, not the studios themselves, but, uh, our main building in is starting to fill up, uh, with donations. And, and we already have other storage sites that are totally full of donations. We've gotten a lot, a lot of donations from the music sale. And a lot of those are equipment this year. I'm seeing a lot of, uh, basically stereo equipment components. Uh, a lot of real to real players of, you know, from large industrial size ones almost, uh, down to smaller compact kind of household or shelf units, as well as tons of turntables, record players, uh, stereos, CD players, all that stuff. And, uh, it's, it's piling up. It's literally piling up here at Radio Catskill as our dedicated music sale volunteers get all of this stuff ready. 
and then of course records and uh, what you hear there in the promo is true we are still looking for some uh, high vowel records as we call them uh, quality records in good condition and uh, things from those genres that we don't often get donations for but people come looking for jazz they come looking for hip-hop uh, soul r&b and we don't always have a lot of those records uh, and I'm glad to say that maybe uh, some folks out there have been hearing this promo because it seems like as we get closer to the music sale, we're starting to get some of those de- donations. In fact, we just had a dedicated listener uh, come in uh, not too long before the program and bring in some uh, records, some great jazz records from their own personal collection, uh, some pop and rock as well. And earlier today, had somebody bring in a crate of records. Almost half of it was uh, uh, hip hop and stuff for uh, DJs, like a dance DJ to play. So things are coming in. Things are lining up. This music sale again is happening next Saturday. It's at the Liberty Mall. And it's right across from the Liberty Diner. It's right off of that uh, the exit there. Uh, if you're coming from uh, eastward towards Liberty, you just get right off the exit. It's going to be right across from there in the Liberty Mall. It is a $5 uh, donation to enter, a $5 entrance fee. And we'll have cash and Venmo. Uh, we'll be accepting cash. We will be taking Venmo if you don't have cash. So, again, uh, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, two days after Thanksgiving, we're starting at 10 a.m., the Radio Catskill Music Sale. More info up at WJFFRadio.org. Before we get into the, back into the program, let's take a moment now also to uh, take a look at the weather. Going to be clear tonight and cool overnight low, hovering right around freezing down to 32. Sunny tomorrow and warmer than it was today with a high getting up to 57. So that'll be nice sun and uh, almost to 60 there. Mostly cloudy tomorrow night. And a little bit warmer than it will be tonight. Overnight low down to 35. No sign of precipitation for the next couple days. But as we look ahead, let's see uh, what the extended forecast is showing us in terms of precipitation. And the potential for it uh, looks like that chance of precipitation uh, starts to go up as we get into the end of the week, Friday into Saturday. Of course, we will keep an eye on that for you and give you an actual percentage of where things stand. So this is Radio Catskill. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to get right back into the local edition. Oh, and uh, remember, after the daily tonight, it's this program. I'm Daryl Brogdon. That's my real name because would I make up a name like that? We're at the Underground Martini Bunker, the home of space age pop and incredibly strange music. Testing the limits of reality every week on WJFF Radio Catskill. The Retro Cocktail Hour, where the music is served shaken, not stirred. Wednesday night at 7 on Radio Catskill. Welcome back to the local edition news and information, keeping you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Coming up, we still have that update on bees in New York State. How are the bees doing? Brief update before we wrap tonight. But first, we've got an update from the Cornell Cooperative Extension. Patricio Rabio earlier spoke to Barbara Moran who's the 4-H Youth Development Program Manager at the Cornell Cooperative Extension. She shared some insights into how the 4-H program operates 
during the winter months. Our 4-H program year starts in October. In Sullivan County, we have a rolling membership where youth can join any time during the year. But to get the full effect of the year, we like them to join up in the fall. It is free to join here in Sullivan County, and membership forms are found on our website, or they can contact the 4-H office, the Cornell Cooperative Extension. So when we start out, I think what people don't know is that it's beyond just agriculture. 4-H is based off of community service, STEM, healthy living, as well as the agricultural base of plants, animal science. We have kids that do woodworking and so much more. In your perspective, before we get into how folks can sign up, can we just talk about some of the unique benefits that 4-H, you know, really provides to the youth, you know, especially during the winter and summer months? Absolutely. So when we start out, first of all, we're looking at so many different project areas, and a project is constituted by six hours of work by the youth. So say that a youth wanted to prepare some I'll use woodworking as an example, and they're doing that in their school programs. They can then document what they've done with the project, finish it, and then save it to display at the county fair. The same thing with growing things. We can start seedlings early in the year and begin getting ready to produce product for the fair. Again, there's multiple areas. There's thousands of hours of curriculum with 4-H, and there's multiple areas that youth can participate in. A lot of youth mix it up. They'll enter crafts. They'll enter animal or agriculture products. Another huge benefit of 4-H is we offer a public speaking program, and I can tell you without a doubt that it's documented that it has helped children to go on with their life skills. So there's just so much more to 4-H than I believe most people know. Now, let's talk about the schools. How How is 4-H embedded into the school or involved in the schools? Is that a way to connect to the youth of Sullivan County? Absolutely. So when I was hired on, one of my missions was to take 4-H on the road and be in the schools. Currently, I am in most of the schools, whether it be elementary or high school, in the county. Some are during the day, during school time, because remember, we do have curriculum that meets the STEM standards. Teachers can have me come in and work with them in their classrooms, and we do what's called a group enrollment. Kids still get all the benefits of 4-H while the school day is going on. I'm also very fortunate to be welcomed into a lot of the after-school programs, working along with Boys and Girls Club, working along with 21st Century Grant, and taking our programs on the road. How young can someone start? So 4-H starts at the age of five. From five to eight, they're considered what we call a clover bud. And then once they become nine years of age, they are then a regular member, and it goes until they're 18. So if a parent or guardian is listening to this, how can they sign up their their young person in their lives? So they can contact the Cornell Cooperative Extension Office at 845-292-6180, or they can go on our website, sullivancce.com, and they can find the membership forms right under 4-H and send them into our office. We send out a weekly alert or email, so every program that's going on right now in the county will come to them weekly. And, of course, most of them are free of charge, or we do have scholarship available if that was something that came up. Right now, starting again in January, we work on a Saturday program where we encompass four areas of 4-H. So we do community service, crafting, 
animals, science, and cooking all in one day, and the kids are loving it. Parents come with the kids. Some stay, some don't, depending on the age. It's a really nice intergenerational program. Barbara, before we go, is there anything else we have not touched on you want folks to know about? I just think that it's a well-hidden secret here in Sullivan County, and it's amazing what kids benefit from 4-H. I raised both my children going through 4-H. They're now adults. And I think it's something that everyone should take a little peek at for their kids. Absolutely. Let me ask you, as a parent who put their child to the program, do you see some of the benefits come to fruition? Some things like, are they involved in agriculture or do you have sort of an appreciation? Obviously, their mom is the 4-H coordinator, but I'm assuming they have appreciation for agriculture, you think, because of the program? My entire family is involved in agriculture, and my son is actually an auctioneer, and he comes down and does our scholarship auction every year to help out the youth giving back to the program that gave to him growing up. We were talking to Barbara Moran, the 4-H Youth Development Program Manager for Cornell Cooperative Extension of Sullivan County. Thank you so much for talking to us and letting us know about 4-H and exactly what happens during the wintertime. Thank you for giving me the time. All right. And uh, thank you so much to Patricio and uh, um, Ms. Moran uh, for doing that. Remember that uh, Sullivan County's Cornell Cooperative Extension is online at sullivancce.org. It's sullivancce.org, and uh, they have a lot going on there. So you find out information about 4-H program and many, many other things. But the very first link at the top of the page is 4-H Youth Development Um, So thanks again for that report. Okay, right now, next up, as promised, the bees. New York environmentalists want residents to know some Thanksgiving favorites are made possible by bees. That's why they're pushing for a law to cut down on the use of neonicotinoids, toxic pesticides that are harmful to pollinators. Sabrina Garone has more. Neonics, for short, are insecticides used on crops, lawns, and gardens, and have been connected to the mass loss of bees, which are critical to the state's agriculture industry. New York beekeepers say they're losing 45% of their hives every year. Adrian Esposito is with the Citizens Campaign for the Environment. Bees are extremely important to pollinating our food crops. In fact, 75% of all our food happens because bees will pollinate those crops. The Birds and Bees Protection Act would eliminate 80 to 90 percent of neonics that enter the environment a year. Governor Kathy Hochul has until the end of December to sign it. That would make the state among the first in the nation to address this issue. For Radio Catskill, I'm Sabrina Garone. All right. Thank you, Sabrina. And finally, uh, tonight, one last story. The American Lung Association has released their annual State of Lung Cancer Report Survival and early diagnosis rates are promising in New York, but for some communities, more than others. WSHU's Ada Uzenar has more. This year's report highlights that black New Yorkers are the least likely to be diagnosed with lung cancer early. Michael Sealback works on state public policy with the American Lung Association. He says that problem has to do with systemic issues in health care. We know across many different health issues that black individuals have barriers to access to quality and affordable health care. And so that leads to many outcomes which are worse 
than the rest of the population. The report also shows that New York nearly matches the national average for new lung cancer cases. It ranks similarly for lung cancer screenings. Lung cancer is still the leading cause of cancer deaths in New York. Ada Uzenlar, WSHU News. And thank you, Ada, and thank you to the New York Public News Network and our partners at WSHU for making those last two reports possible. And those were the last two reports. It's the end of the local edition tonight. And I want to thank you so much for listening. You are listening to the... <laughs> here we go. There we are. Let's take a moment. Take a breath. As I was saying, I want to thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Thank you to our guests and New York Public News Network and the folks at WSHU for making this program happen. I've been your host, Jason Dole. I will be back tomorrow night to do it all over again here on the local edition. Coming up next, uh, we do have the daily, so you want to stick around for that. Then after that, two hours of great music from Daryl Brogdon in the underground martini bunker. It is the Retro Cocktail Hour. All here for you on Radio Catskill. Keep on listening on air at WJFFradio.org. On your smart device, your smart speaker, just ask it to play Radio Catskill. Like I said, I'll be back tomorrow evening on the local edition. Before that, at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, don't miss Radio Catskill with Tim Bruno. This is Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store, featuring deli sandwiches, gourmet specials, and catering. The NeversinkGeneralStore.com. From the River Reporter, the community newspaper covering four counties in Pennsylvania and New York along the Upper Delaware River. RiverReporter.com. And from listeners like you, who donate at You're listening to Radio Catskill. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram.